informative podcast all about training working dogs look no further than the lwdg pod dog this weekly show is hosted by me joanne perrott founder of the ladies working dog group and i chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice whether you're just getting started or you've been working dogs for years this podcast will have something for you so pull up a chair pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to lwdg pod dog and let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. This week we're going to be talking about the do's and don'ts of setting expectations when training your dog. Joining me this week is the amazing LWDG group expert Claire Denya. How are you today Claire? Good afternoon Jo, I'm very well thank you, how are you? I'm very well and more the better for speaking to you and talking about this topic, which I think is really, really important for all dog handlers, isn't it? It is. It's a really important topic for dog handlers and dog owners, and it's also a really important topic for dog trainers as well. So let's start out with talking about like the importance of setting expectations when training your dog. Why is it important? Yes, yeah, so... When I talk to clients um, about their training sessions with their dogs, sometimes people get really deflated if the dog, if they don't feel like the dog is making enough progress at the speed that they were expecting it. It could be because they're comparing their dog to another dog, or it could be because of YouTube videos that they've been watching of experienced trainers and experienced handlers with their dogs. And so they're setting unrealistic expectations of perhaps what they can achieve in a time frame or with their own experience in handling dogs, because it might be that they're a first time dog owner. And so they are learning the ropes themselves as well as teaching a dog. Now, I know we've talked about this before in previous conversations. And if you think about learning to ride a horse, you'd never put a novice, <laughs> a novice um, rider on a young horse that has no experience. So in dog training, very often you've got very novice handlers, first time dog owners handling dogs that are not pre-trained. So it's, it's about setting expectations expectations so that the owner doesn't get deflated um, in what they're achieving with their own dog and it is hard to know you know how much is too much how much is not enough I know for myself and spending time sometimes when you're training alone you're like is this what I should be doing there's a lot of questions in a, a novice handler's mind about what they are meant to be doing isn't there yeah, there is. And, and some of that is down to watching things on YouTube or on Facebook. And this is one of the reasons that when I share my own work with my own dogs, I don't just share the really flashy stuff that goes amazingly. I also show progression exercises. I show the basics being trained and not just being trained, but being retrained over and over again to keep those foundations strong you know even with my older dogs always revisiting those basics and those foundations um, and it could be that also they've got a friend who maybe is on their third or fourth working dog 
and they're on their first working dog. And so they're comparing their own journey with that other person. And I think I think that those things can all create this problem where people are setting expectations and not understanding how to achieve their goals. And that sort of comparison, I guess, I'm sure I've made that word up, but that, that sort of comparing yourself to everybody else, it can be so, so demoralizing, but also can really make you set incredibly high expectations for you and your dog, far above what you should even be considering. Yeah, so I so when I'm working with a client, especially a first-time dog owner, I want to know what their goals are. I want to know ultimately what their long-term goal is. But that goal may well change, you know, as they learn more and as they experience more. But what is really important is that that owner understands the steps that need to be taken to finally achieve that goal and have an expectation of how long that may take and an expectation of the training and the proofing of the training that needs to be undertaken to achieve that goal. Recently, I've been starting to learn piano, which is something I've always wanted to do and never really sat down and started. And I'm right at the beginning. So, and it's something I've never done. So I really don't know what I'm doing. And I'm sort of following these lessons and I'm trying to teach myself to play Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing and practicing the same piece of music for maybe two and a half weeks to the point where now I don't even think I like Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> but even like this morning, I, I'm, I'm using it as a way of just like clearing my head for a moment. But even this morning when playing, I know every single note. I managed to play every single bit perfectly multiple times. But do you still think I can pull it all together and get the 92 notes all in order? And whilst I've been doing it, it's made me reflect quite a lot about my dog training and the fact that we are so hard on ourselves. We think they're like, okay, a retrieve should be a simple thing, but it's made up of lots and lots of tiny things, which every single time we send for the retrieve, one of those tiny little bits can go wrong. Yeah. I always say to people, the retrieve is like a jigsaw puzzle of many pieces, and we can work on all of those pieces completely individually and perfect each piece completely individually before putting it together. So, for instance, with a really young dog who who doesn't you know, have a particularly brilliantly natural retrieve, you might work on steadiness completely independently without asking the dog to be steady to the retrieve initially because you're building a bit of drive. You want the dog to run out with confidence, so that's another piece. Actually picking up the retrieve is another piece of the jigsaw puzzle. You don't want the dog to just get there and blink it, you know, or go, oh, okay, uh, that's boring, and go looking for something else. So they need to actually pick it. You then want them to, once they've picked it, turn and start running back towards you, not get distracted, or drop it midway back. And then you finally want that delivery to hand. Um, So there are all these elements to it. And people think it's just, it comes really naturally for the dog to do all of those pieces in one go with no training. But actually for the majority of dogs, somewhere along the line, a piece of that jigsaw puzzle may not come naturally to the dog. So we have to help the dog to learn that. And that's just in one thing, just a simple retrieve. (laughs) 
it is almost if you compare dog training to something in like human life it's university level isn't it it's like all these tiny tiny units that you will build over years and then suddenly it will click and just like university even when you come out the other end you might have the piece of paper but you're still going to be at the start of the the entire journey so when we think about like that the expectations you get when you've got somebody who's had a dog for 12 you know they've got a 12 week old pup or they've got a 16 week old pup and they're like it's not doing things for me it's like you are so very much at the start of a very long journey yeah that's exactly it and I think think you know we ask so much of a working dog we we ask so much of our pet dogs you know we we teach them to have good manners around the house we teach them to how to behave in the car we teach them how to walk on a loose leaf we teach them how to retrieve there are all these things and and we we forget that these especially like you just said a 12 week old puppy or a 16 week old puppy they're like little sponges yes but everybody's in this massive rush to train the dog as quickly as possible without really sitting back and thinking about what it is you're asking that dog to learn and how long it's going to take that dog to learn that skill to the point that that becomes a habit and that's the cruciality part I think I might have made that word up as well the piece that's really crucial <laughs> um, in, in that is that what we're doing is forming habits we're training individual elements that we want to become habits in the dog and that takes time so having expectations of how long it's going to take to train that behavior or that action to proof that behavior or that action and for that to then become the habit under any circumstances with any duration and any distraction it's a lot to ask of a dog so of course, it's really important to have goals and it's really important to set expectations high. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't underestimate what we can achieve, but it's making sure we have a realistic expectation of what we're training and how long that journey may take to perfect that. I'm reading an incredibly, well, incredibly insightful book at the moment called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it talks about goals and processes and it says about like you might have a hundred people whose goal is to lose weight and maybe 20 of them will manage it 10 of them will manage it long term for example and it says but they all had the same goal so what was the difference because they all wanted to get to the same place and he talks about like the processes the consistency the mini tiny bits you do every single day that leads to that and when we talk about expectations, our expectation might be, I want a fully trained working dog that I can estate, take on an estate. But under that is the process of turning up every day to do a little bit of training, thinking yeah. about it, thinking about their behaviours in the home, thinking about their behaviours on the training field. Yeah. And we've got to learn all that to know what it is that the process needs to be. Yeah, and I, and I don't understand why everybody's into a rush either. <laughs> you know? And we talked about this on the um, Age Race podcast, didn't we, about everybody being in a rush. And I have this conversation with clients all the time. And, you know, I think the difference is for an experienced handler who's trained multiple dogs, they will achieve things probably quicker 
with some dogs, not if they get a difficult dog, um, then a first-time owner will take to achieve it, especially if they've got a difficult dog, <laughs> but might be slightly quicker if they fall upon a very biddable, very easy dog. And so it's also taking that into account, the dog's personality, the dog's nature, whether that dog is super biddable and just wants to please you all the time or whether you've actually got a dog who's far more um, fly up the seat of his pants, you know, really driven, wants to hunt like a machine, that might take longer to instill certain skills in that dog. And I, th I think all of these things have to be into, taken into consideration, the personality and the nature of the dog, the experience and know-how of the handler, um, and what their end result goal is and how much, you know, some people don't want to achieve everything. They just want a dog that they can take on a shoot and do a little bit of beating with. They're not so bothered about all the other stuff. So all of this stuff has to be taken into consideration. We're talking about the importance of setting expectations when training your dog. Mm. What about the importance of setting expectations with owners when you're the dog trainer? Because that's the other side of this coin a little bit, isn't it? Absolutely. This, is, this has a massive thing to do with it. Now, I'm going to talk about a couple of things here. So when I'm working with a, train, with a client one-on-one, one-to-one -on -one, one -one training, they're not comparing themselves to anyone else because it's just me and that client and their dog. So it's very easy for me to set session plans and to give them homework and to tell them how long roughly they will be working on this for before we can move on to that for. So I find that quite easy to set client expectations um, and help them have a realistic goal as to how long it's going to take. But that's really important as a trainer that you do that. You know, you, you want to make sure that you're upfront and honest with your client about roughly how long it's going to take to get to their end goal um, and the journey to get there. What I do find is very often in group classes, and there are pros and cons for every dog and every owner to whether they choose a one-to-one -one or a group class. The difficulty in a group class, not a difficulty, but sometimes can be a challenge, is everyone won't be able to help themselves at some point, but to compare themselves to other people in that group and their dogs. And if I look at when we're running a puppy class, for, for example, the puppy class we run will typically have any puppies in it from anywhere between 12 weeks of age up to six months of age. So people will experience different things at different times during that time in the training group it might be that one puppy takes to one exercise really easy and another one finds that one a struggle but something else easier when you look at gun dog training you know we tend to start beginner gun dog from around five to six months of age as long as there's some good um, obedience in the instilled already so the puppy can recall and you know it has can walk on a loose leaf pretty nicely and has a desire to retrieve so they're kind of the components that they need to have to join beginner gun dog and then the dog goes to adolescence during that beginner gun dog course so that can be a roller coaster and depending on the dog's ages in the group some will hit adolescence at different stages and again people are comparing themselves so setting those um, expectations in a group class is so important because you've got to make sure everybody understands to learn from one another so what their dog is doing, your, might do, your dog might do in six weeks' time. It might not be doing it now, but it might in six weeks' time. 
and to set those expectations that also, you know, this dog is slightly older or this dog is slightly more biddable and this dog hunts harder so that the owners aren't comparing themselves. And then finally, in behavioural work, you've also got to set expectations because what can be achieved with this dog might have a lot to depend on how severe the behavioural problem is or how long it's been going on for, um, the ability um, of the owner to commit to the training program to modify behaviour um, and the genetics of that dog. So on all, whether you're one-to-ones, group classes or behavioural work, the, the trainer having the ability to set expectations that are realistic and achievable is important, but also not to, um, I'm always very careful to say like, reach for the skies, if that's what you want, go for it. But these are the steps that we need to take to get there. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense because I think sometimes having things set out for us is an incredible part of the process because you can sometimes find yourself in a situation, for example, there may be listeners who've got a trainer who set in expectations which are far higher because that's the standard they are expecting everybody to want. Or there could be um, trainers who are setting expectations in a way that the, the, the learner, the handler is not really understanding, you know, are yeah. we on the same journey? And I think just as it's important for us to have sorted out the process towards the goal with our dog, we need our trainer to understand the same process that we, or what we're trying to achieve, don't we? Absolutely. So I say this all the time, you know, for me, I have clients ranging from people with just pet dogs and all they want to achieve and all they want from that dog is to walk on a loose lead, to recall when they ask it to and be well-mannered in the house. I have people that want to work their dogs on shoots. I have people that are doing gun dog training just for fun and as a hobby with their dog. I have clients that maybe want to do working tests and go down that route. So it's really important that I'm working with that client towards their goals, not setting expectations of my own, you know, especially if like I'm working with a reluctant retriever, the joy and the, um excitement that I get when I've got a young gun dog and the owner doesn't want to work it on a shoot particularly maybe but they just want to teach it to retrieve because it's a really fun skill set to have when you're walking your dog but the dog's not interested or the dog has some old ha- bad habits that we need to break so for me I'm like okay what does this owner want that's that's where we're setting this and the client's expectations are they want to achieve that so I have to make sure that my expectation is the same as the owner's um, and that I can help them achieve that. But yeah, not everybody wants to train their dog for the same thing. So it's very short-sighted and unfair of trainers to pitch all of their clients to X when they don't don't want to do X. Yeah, absolutely. So if we are... um... If we're working with a trainer, we can say, look, this is, we can be clear and help the trainer to understand by setting out our expectations. And if our expectations change or our goals change, keeping them updated because they're not mind readers. No trainer is a mind reader. So we can help them with that. But when we're training away from our our trainer, what should our, our personal do's and don'ts of setting expectations be? 
Yeah, so this, this one comes up a lot. And when we say expectations, for some people, they just want to have a consistent journey, a consistent journey in their training with their dogs. So they get deflated if something gets goes wrong, or if one day they train in a new area and the dog is super distracted, um, that can make them feel really deflated. So when you're setting expectations, it's really useful to have a clear guide of training. And Joe, this is where things like the planner come into you know play people having a training plan where they're documenting what they're doing and what they're going to do next week and what went well and what didn't go well so that gives them then more homework or following something like the hot mess handler course so they've got a progressive step-by-step guide as to how to achieve things with their dog um so to set your own expectations when you're training on your own and not with a trainer you need to be quite organized and have like, so this is where I want to get to. And these are the steps that I need to take to get there. So that's going to be things like including what exercises do I need to train? And then be looking at working on duration, distance and distractions and building on those things, but also a little bit of a SWOT analysis on, on the training. So what were my strengths in the training? What were the weaknesses in the training? Or what areas could I develop further? Rather than the word weakness, you know, what areas can I develop further? What are my opportunities? So what could I do to improve that? And what are my threats? So the threat could be environmental. It could be that you're going to a new place, but use that as an opportunity to prove your training. So all of these things are kind of intermingled and interchanging. But if you sit down and write these things down, it can help you plan more effective training sessions with your dog. Um, And that will then help you to meet your expectations and be realistic about them as well. And when something does go wrong in training, resetting. So... I did a podcast on this on resetting, didn't I, before? But we, I sort of said my rule of thumb is if something goes wrong twice, change something. When people keep on repeating something and the dog's making a mistake again and again and again, what ends up happening is the dog will then start to form a bad habit that we don't want it to have. So always considering how we're going to reset and correct things when they go wrong will help you to plan effective training sessions and get to your goals. So then, you you know, you're achieving the things you want to achieve. The magic month planner you just mentioned, mm. it came about from that very reason. Like I'm incredibly forgetful of the best of times, far, far worse after I had my first operation. So in order to remember where I'd been or what I'd been doing, even the day before, I just had to write it down. And I literally mapped it out in a very similar way to, to what you've said. And that's where the Magic Month Planner came from. But with regards to the Hot Mess Handler, if you think about how we built that, clay, it came about from us asking hundreds of women, where are you struggling? Them mm-hmm. sending us so many questions. We must have had thousands of questions. Yeah. With Jamie then going through them all, data processing them all, pulling them all together, collecting them into those nine units that are literally, you they are almost cornerstones of training, aren't they? They're pillars. And yeah. working through them and use them, even if you do them one a week, one a month, one a year, you are going to set yourself correct expectations. Yeah. What needs to come when? absolutely and and that's the sort of thing you know 
everything that we've done in the ladies working dog group and that we've de developed like like the hot mess handler courses and the master classes have all come about because of the questions we get asked in the groups um and help us to help create and formulate plans and way to help lady owners achieve their goals with their dogs you know but expectations are a really funny thing because you do find sometimes people like lower their expectations they almost what's the word i'm looking for they they can achieve they want to achieve something more but they set themselves purposefully really low expectations so that they don't fail as if there's like a, a fear of failure but there really shouldn't be a fear of failure there isn't failure it's training a dog so we're learning through experiences and i, and I said to one of my groups this weekend i said we learn the most when the dog makes a mistake or if we make a mistake, because then we have to learn how to fix it. So we shouldn't be lowering our expectations because we make a mistake. The expectations shouldn't lower, but what we should do is dissect what went wrong and say, so how can I prevent that going wrong again? And how can I rebuild on this? So, and also things like adolescence, you get people that then lower their standards in their training because the dog is going through adolescence and they shouldn't be doing that they should just be mindful of it and literally be like so that could have happened because however that doesn't mean we have to lower our expectations the dog is still in training it's just that we might have to adapt things slightly and reset and exercise slightly or remove some of the distractions so that we have success so, you know, I think it's good to have high expectations as long as you understand the foundational work that you need to build on to get there. Um, but don't lower your expectations just because there's a mistake. Instead, have a look at what caused that mistake and then work out and, and become a better handler and a better trainer for having to handle that kind of situation. Yeah, because it's like saying, well, my teenager can't come home one time, so I'll lower my expectations because his hormones are involved and um, i'll just let him come in whenever he wants but when really you you have to find a way of of helping your teenager to understand that um say it's 11 o'clock 11 o'clock is 11 o'clock yeah our home at 11 o'clock yeah. the, the outcome is always going to be the same yeah how i'm going to explain it to you might change like you don't change it you don't say well oh okay just i just not dealing with this because you're hormonal and i think we you are absolutely right in that we tend to say oh adolescence means that i'm not going to expect the same of you when it shouldn't really change the expectation it should change the handling and the approach absolutely because adolescence isn't an excuse for bad behavior <laughs> it might be a reason why the dog is slightly more badly behaved perhaps you know a bit cheeky a bit more distracted or whatever but the bottom line is if you've taught your dog a recall and then it hits adolescence and goes off the rails your dog hasn't forgotten what a recall is and people say that a lot they say oh it's forgotten what recall is no it hasn't forgotten it's choosing not to because it's distracted so we might need to put in place a little bit of management and teach the dog it's not negotiable this has to continue just because you're a teenager otherwise what happens is that behavior that you don't want will become the new habit so this is the thing don't lower expectations just because you've hit a dodgy patch um 
have a think about it and get a trainer to help you if you need to or ask on the ladies working dog group you know how do I stop this happening because my dog understands recall and is choosing not to and you're quite right if you let it go on for too long what you're going to have is a dog that is no longer in adolescence fully mature still showing that adolescent behavior because you let it get away with it and the dog's not in adolescence anymore. It's that that is the new learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. And I say this to people all the time. The problem is, you know, dogs, when they keep repeating a behavior, it becomes a habit. That's the new learned behavior. You've then got to undo that to retrain the behavior you do want. And you might have already had that, but then let it go because you've made excuses for the dog because it's an adolescent. So it's like a cycle, isn't it? <laughs> and like you said, once it's there, it's really it's very, very difficult to unlearn a habit. We can't unlearn habits. We can change habits. Yeah. But the, the original habit is still there. You know, like, for example, walking past the fridge, sometimes I find myself, I don't even want anything in the fridge. I look in the fridge, look in the fridge, shut the fridge. There was yeah. nothing in the fridge I wanted in the first place. But it's that habit, as as you go past the fridge, you're normally going there to open it. And if you think of simple things like that, then it's mind-boggling when we look at bigger things like when we're looking at you know our dog our expectations have we even thought about where we are what the current behavior is and the expectation we're setting mm -hmm. how far away is it from the behavior we've got right now absolutely and and it's also start as you mean to go on and and that's a really important part because if you have this expectation and you should have this expectation and you need the foundations and the stepping stones, stepping stones, not tones, to achieve that. But, you know, we have to look at where we are now in the training and process from there onwards. So it might be that somebody set this expectation and they still want it, but the dog's hit adolescence and it's gone off the rails. So then they might go, Oh, well, I'm never going to achieve that now. Well, no, it doesn't mean you're never going to achieve that now. But the quicker you action what's going wrong and make that right, the quicker you're going to get back on track to meeting your expectations. It's almost like you'd need a, a midterm expectation, a midterm goal at that point, isn't it? Say, yeah. well, I'm going for this, but I'm, I'm a mile away from that at the moment. So I'm going to go for this in between. It's like mini goal, this mini expectation. Okay, all right, well, at the moment, every time we go into a new environment, the dog's just bogging off. My my mini expectation to work on this week is that I can just get the dog to turn and look back at me and come back to me. Or whatever they are, just to start working out, but not losing that we, we're still going to the same place. We just might be putting these little tiny steps in on the way. You might you might be taking a little detour. A little detour. And then we're back and then we're back <laughs> on track. And but 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 like you like you've mentioned you know and we've talked about at length it is a it is a case of where the expectations you in order to not be deflated you've got to have this constant process of like plan do review haven't you plan it do it review it plan it do it so that you're not just sort of lolling about in a state of feeling like me and my dog are never getting anywhere that's exactly it and we all do it we all it's really easy to practice the things that are going really well 
and put off doing the things that are not going so well <laughs> because it makes you feel good when the dog does it really well <laughs> so you know it's I can understand why that happens and I think I also do it from time to time I know at the minute there is one specific thing I should be working on with my youngest Labrador Rose and I need to I'm doing it but I'm not doing it as frequently as I know that I need to do it to get the end result that I want to meet my expectation of, of my end goal and so I have to give myself a little bit of a kick up the backside and go I could do this but she knows this this is easy it makes me feel good because she looks amazing doing it but actually I need to put more work into that and it might look a bit messy and it might not fill me with the same joy at the end of the session but that's where I'll go, right, do you know what? I'm going to do a bit of a, I'm going to swear, but mildly, Joe, a shit sandwich. <laughs> so I might start with something that I know looks wonderful and makes me feel good. And it puts me in good stead for the training session. And then in the middle, I'll focus on this thing that maybe I need to tidy up, add polish to, whatever. And then I'll finish with something else that I know she can do incredibly well and makes me feel really good about myself. So it's my little shit sandwich to make the training session feel amazing. So I highly recommend that to everybody. <laughs> Sandwiches all round. Um, but yeah, it is, well, I suppose if you think about it, like um, just to go to work back to Magic Month Planner, when you look at the, the checklist for the 31 days and you look like, well, how many times have I done a recall? And how many times have I done a heel work? And how many times have I done a stop? And mm -hmm. stuff like that. You can look at it and go, oh, actually, I'm just staying on the bread of the shit sandwich and the actual shit, we're not going anywhere near. And yeah. there is that bit, isn't it? It's about saying, oh, well, actually, I, yeah, keep in doing these things and enjoying these things. But just It's a comfort zone, isn't it? It's a comfort yeah. zone. You just really don't want to face things sometimes where you think oh my god this just you and I suppose for a lot of people when you know or you think you know it's going to go wrong you don't want to start it from the beginning rather than thinking well hold on how can I make sure it goes right you just sort of walk away from it rather than thinking well actually you know take a tiny little approach at this you know my heel work is naff okay today I will do three steps of heel work you know, yeah. tiny, tiny goals. And then thinking, well, actually, the dog did it. Perfect. It did what I set out to do. Rather than thinking, you know, I'm going to try and do 30 minutes of heel work. The dog's going to go mental. I'm going to go mental. It's those tiny little bits where we can we can make wins for ourselves, can't we? We absolutely can. And I'd also do the heel work in the middle of that sandwich, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Um... <laughs> it you know we all know it's a necessity but it's not the most fun for any of us or the dogs is it but it's a necessity in so many ways and you know I'm, I'm quite lucky my dogs walk to heel really nicely but for most people I know that that's their bugbear in training and so it's like, it's like just stick that bit right in the middle of your session and then forget about it and do something fun at the end <laughs> I was out a few days ago with um, Rex and Ella and Rex heals beautifully because I didn't train him. He's beautiful, Ali. He just, really <laughs> he's, just a, he's a joy to do heal work with. He's a joy to do anything with. And um, Ella just just was with him, and I thought it's so easy. And she was doing like about ten steps off lead, and ten steps, and then she just looked at me and go mm, and run off. And I was like, 
part of me is thinking i need to correct you i need to go and put you back on the lead and bring you back here but part of me just thinks how many times am i going to fight you on this one so i can understand people's frustration i did go and get her and put her back on the lead and say well if you're not going to walk off lead nicely you're going to walk on the lead yeah. um and if i've got to do that every time i will um and she might never ever come off lead but it's just that whole thing isn't it when you're thinking but what i have found is having one that can do it beautifully has given me confidence that i look at him and i think hold on it's not the spaniels can't do this because there's a spaniel right by the side of me doing this perfectly mm-hmm. it's that i've just not found a way of explaining to this dog that i want her to do what he's doing mm-hmm. well i think we've covered expectations for today's podcast Claire, is there anything you <laughs> add as we wrap up no i do i just think you know it's always worth everybody having high not high as in ridiculous you know having expectations that suit what you want to achieve with your dog set your goals set plan that out what do you need to have to achieve that and you know just just remember don't lower your expectations just because you're having an off day or the dog's having an off day or the dog's going through adolescence just adapt your training but still you know have have those goals and and keep your expectations of what you want to achieve really high. And keep your expectations to the appropriate level. Yes, absolutely. Without doubt. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time as always. It's been fantastic chatting to you. You make me laugh, you make thank me you. smile. And we also managed to pass out knowledgeable and supportive information to the community. If you are part of that community and you have enjoyed this, please let us know. Please give us some likes. You can watch this on YouTube, follow on any podcast platform. Um, I'll put links to the Magic Month Planner and the Hot Mess Handler. Also, society members, you have a masterclass on reviewing your training, which you might find absolutely fascinating and helpful for this. And you've also got um, access to your Hot Mess Handler too. Thank you very much for your time. As always, Claire, if people want to review, where do they go? Um, yeah, so you can obviously find me on the Ladies Working Dog Group um, or email me at claire at familydogservices.co.uk or find me on Facebook, Instagram. I think that's it. Thereabouts. <laughs> you will always find her on Ladies Working Dog Group. She does. <laughs> all. Right, thank you all very much and we shall speak to you all next week. Thank you for listening to LWDG Poddog with me, Joe Parrott. Now we all know training a dog takes time, energy and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we'll show you how to use short 10 minute training sessions each day to fast forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group, and click on the pinned post, or visit www.thelwdg.com.